0: You are listening to Cover Stories, a deep dive into the stories behind iconic album art with Adam Charlie Young. I love the idea for the cover art on this album. The artist says, here's a list of things I'd like to see on my next album cover. That artist, Prince, made a list of 16 images he wanted to see. Graphic artist Jim Warren pitched an initial concept, but Prince hired Doug Henders, a sometime artist, sometime carpenter, on the Purple Rain tour to do the cover. Around the World in a Day was released April 22, 1985, two weeks after the Purple Rain tour ended. The success of that tour had become a terrible burden. It was so theatrical and produced that it obliterated any chance of spontaneity outside of encores, where Prince scratched his creative itch in encore sets that could last hours. He hated repeating himself and could not stand boredom because he was Prince, and that's how he rolled. Tired of having his own photograph on five of his six previous albums, Prince wrote out a 16-item list detailing things he wanted to see incorporated into the cover artwork of Around the World in a Day. His handwritten instructions to artist Doug Henders for the cover artwork for this album were written in pencil on the reverse sides of two and a half by 11 pages of Purple Rain Tour materials. The first was a daily memo with the list of hotel room assignments from Chicago, December 11, 1984. And the second is a page from the tour itinerary for December 12th through the 19th, 1984. Prince's list has 15 numbered items, but he included two number nines for a total of 16. Grab the album cover or an image of it and check it against Prince's wish list. Number one. Olive-skinned people wearing hoods and capes of purple. Some could be white. The capes. Number two. Pretty little girl age three or four on seesaw. She should be laughing. Number three. Paisley lawns with dandelions of yellow and violets. Lots of violets. Number four. An old black man age 55 crying. Sitting down on the step. Number five. Blue sky background with fluffy clouds. Number six. A beautiful woman, exotic looking, wearing a black cape and a raspberry beret. Number seven, a blonde girl covered in lace eating an ice cream cone. Number eight, a laughing woman dressed in black who resembles Clara Bow. This woman should be hysterically laughing. Number nine, an obese bearded man covered with tattoos affectionately hugging a tiger. Number nine, a small body of water on a pier, an old woman crying with a handkerchief over a love lost. Number ten, a ladder leading from the water into one of the clouds in the sky. Number eleven. Two or three people wearing black button downs, playing tambourines, hair shorter on one side, sorta. Number twelve. A naked black baby running with an American flag. Number 13. A small Russian fighter jet flying through the sky. Shouldn't be a real focal point. Number 14. Doves flying and walking. Number 15. A juggling clown. Two juggling balls. A globe. The notes, described as in fine condition, were sold at auction July 19, 2018, for $7,893. You can find them easily online. Most, but not all, of the subjects Prince identified were incorporated into the album artwork. I cannot find the obese tattooed man hugging a tiger. The ice cream eating woman is no blonde. A couple of unrequested items have shown up as well. One of them is a puppy, believed to be Prince's actual dog at that time. And there's a woman playing a violin. Jim Warren, who lost out on the album design, did have his graphic of a boy holding a balloon that featured the logo created by Margot Chase bearing the title of the album. This image was overprinted on the final artwork. Doug Henders, with art direction from Laura LaPuma Nash, who had worked with Prince on many previous covers, had pretty free reign given Prince's wish list. Henders staged photographs of some of the characters in the painting that were used as the models for his painting. You can find some of them in an internet article called Princes Around the World in a Day, a Reappraisal. Many of the characters and images on Prince's list were taken directly from the song titles and lyrics. Some maintain the revolution, which had a minimal part in the creation of this album, are represented among the images on the cover. Many think the white-jacketed character looks uncannily like Prince. Henders has said Prince is not depicted on the album cover, which is set in a colorful Paisley Park. Prince gave me a laundry list, said Henders, old woman crying, a clown juggling the earth, a ladder going to heaven, so I could do it two ways, a collage or a surrealistic landscape, and the latter is what I chose, kind of a la Sergeant Peppers. I did that on the road while I was on the Purple Rain Tour. I would go early to the arena, arrange the stage, because a lot of the artwork was on the stage, set up my camera shoot the show, and the videos would go to him right after the show. Then he would have parties in his hotel suite in whatever city. And some people were prisoners, and some people were guests. I ended up going back to my hotel room and painting all night long. After two weeks, I got pretty burned out, and I hired someone to take my place shooting video. I rented a hotel in Los Angeles and finished the painting. I made Prince's management buy it an airline seat because we couldn't trust them to put it below. The album title comes from a song of the same name. Asked what picture were you painting with around the world in a day, Prince said, I've heard some people say I'm not talking about anything on this record. And what a lot of other people get wrong about the record is that I'm not trying to be this great visionary wizard. Paisley Park is in everybody's heart. It's not just something that I have the keys to. I was trying to say something about looking inside oneself to find perfection. Perfection is in everyone. Nobody's perfect, but they can be. We may never reach that, but it's better to strive than not. I like to think this album cover and its Paisley Park at least briefly represented perfection to Prince. Critical reception to the album was mixed. Many thought Prince was attempting an obvious homage to the late-period Beatles. His guitar play and flamboyant appearance also invited comparisons to Jimi Hendrix. A New York Times rock critic wrote at the time that Prince is risking charges of imitation and excessive eclecticism by deliberately invoking so many icons of 60s rock. Prince took exception to the comparisons, both of the cover and the music. He said, The influence wasn't the Beatles. They were great for what they did. But I don't know how that would hang today. The cover art came about because I thought people were tired of looking at me. Who wants another picture of him? I would only want so many pictures of my woman, then I would want the real thing. What would be a little more happening than just another picture would be if there was some way I could materialize in people's cribs when they play the record. I don't mind the album being called Psychedelic because that was the only period in recent history that delivered songs and colors. Led Zeppelin, for example, would make you feel differently on each song. About the comparisons to Jimi Hendrix, Prince said, It's only because he's black that's really the only thing we have in common. He plays different guitar than I do. If they really listened to my stuff, they'd hear more of a Santana influence than Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix played more blues. Santana played prettier. You can't compare people, you really can't, unless someone is blatantly trying to rip somebody off. And you can't really tell that unless you play the songs. There are a lot of interesting album art stories out there. This is one of my favorites. It's like what a child would say if you offered to paint him a picture. I know little about Prince. Like all of us, he had a story to tell. I like to think we got a chapter of it in this album cover. Let's hit the pause button and chat a bit.
1: Hey there, Dad. I uh, see you're wearing your raspberry beret today. Good to trunk. see that. I have my yeah. strawberry hat I've on. i am headed to the
0: Paisley Park after yeah, this That's thing. right. Um,
1: so, if ever there was an artist that refused to stop moving, stop evolving, stop bucking conventions, subverting expectations, using their own name refusing yeah. to stop pressing record, yeah. it was Prince. You yeah. know, So yeah. after essentially conquering the world with the massive Purple Rain album, movie, and tour, you could have forgiven Prince for attempting to repeat himself. Sure. But sure. you said it well. That's that is not point. him. No. that, no. that wasn't the way he rolled. <laughs> Not his vibe. So what do you remember about Prince <laughs> at the time, you know, in the early 80s?
0: This is easy. I remember nothing about Prince. Really? And it's interesting to me. Uh, because Prince was my big realization that I had lost touch with music. I mean, when you're young, wow. music is your life, and at some point you decide to go with music and make it your life, or or you go a different direction and music finds a different place, and you get a job and you don't have as much time, and then maybe kids come along and you have even less time, um, and and that was sort of the path that I took, and then when Prince came along, I realized this is a new sound. Hmm. Uh, I don't like it. He's a new generation. I didn't <laughs> yeah. like that either. I think it was a, a, a realization for me that I like music from my generation, mm. and I like music from my past. You know, and it, it yeah. enables the old to to believe they're still young. You know that you can hear these these songs that you know from your heyday, so to speak. And so, you know, when Prince came on, I, I thought this guitar, this look, this this. Uh, change your name. What the hell's gone? Yeah. What, what's wrong with kids today? Hey, kind, of, of kind of thing is where I, I hit it with Prince. And Prince was really that, that, that. Wow. Minor. And it was I, interesting. So, so I was almost, um, in my ignorance, I was almost anti Prince. It was that's like. That's funny. You know, yeah, I, I had yeah. no yeah. idea this was no, a thing.
1: No. Wow. So, you know, I do agree in that new or confusing music really forces nostalgia upon mm-hmm. you. You know, yeah. it makes you feel left behind, but, The 80s, to me, obviously I was a child, but I always felt like they were ruled by Michael Jackson and Madonna. You couldn't move for a Michael (laughs) Jackson song. You had to actively avoid hearing the biggest tracks from those two artists at the time. And I don't lump Prince in with pop music, but the crossover and star appeal is very similar. You know, So, except for 1982's uh, 1999 album, (laughs) (laughs) cover art for Prince was always a no-brainer. So, if you look like Prince, you'd be wise to use that likeness to market damn near anything. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and he did. He did. Yeah, we said it was five of six of his first albums. I think, yeah, yeah. So, it's fitting, though, that we're coming up on Christmas here because this is the story of a wish list.
0: Yeah, I loved it. So
1: how hastily put together do you think this was, or do you think it was painstakingly poured over?
0: No, I think it was pretty spontaneous because he grabbed a couple of papers that were available to him. Uh, He wrote on the back of them. And at the time, I remember going through the different songs and seeing the, in the lyrics of the songs there are a lot of the images that appear on the album. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, you know, you go through the, it's probably about six or seven of them, I think I went through and said, oh, yeah, well, there's the ladder or there's the crying woman or there's the man, uh, you know, the crying man and, you yeah. know, and all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I think it was kind of spontaneous that he was trying to say, I want an album that that speaks of what's in the music. And he Got those papers and, and jotted it down.
1: That's wild. That's wild. So, you know, were there any other instructions for the artist, uh, Doug Henders? Or no, he,
0: it... he says he had free reign. That's Not wild. Not purple rain, but he had free reign. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, it, you know, it almost feels like a, a challenge to me. You know, Prince was saying... See what you can do. Yeah, you know, to yeah. Henders' credit,
0: bring my vision to life. <sighs> yeah,
1: you know, he was able to include nearly everything that Prince wanted. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm really intrigued by the omissions that you noted. Mm-hmm. So being able to f- <laughs> being unable to find the image of an obese man hugging a tiger, uh, as well as a blonde he, woman. He probably thought Michael
0: Jackson's done that, not the obese part.
1: Well, that's true. Yeah, he has the tiger. You know, there's no chimps. We're not. That's we're not true. crossing over with the Prince of Pop here. Yeah. just the Prince. So, he nearly met the demand for the latter, but curiously changed the woman's hair color. And he even added a few items of his own. Of most note, Prince's dog. Yeah. Again, yeah. you know, you'll, you'll get on my good side, put Prince's dog, which reportedly was maybe his puppy. Is that, uh, is that true?
0: Uh, I, I think that appears so in the, in the cover. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, the modeling sessions for this must have been pretty wild. Uh, but I'd like to focus for a moment on Jim Warren. So, do we know? Did he lose out um, on creating the entire album? Had he worked yeah, he, before? Yeah, he pitched.
0: He pitched an, an idea, and it was rejected. I couldn't find any evidence of what he pitched, but mm-hmm. you know, he pitched an idea. It may have borne some relationship to the Boy with the Balloon or something. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he he pitched and lost, but he had, it was a uh, you know good sport and came back with a sticker for the album. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So you did. You know, you mentioned that. His boy holding a balloon, it was neat that you know he was able to still get that included with a with a sticker, the logo emblazoned on the balloon was yeah. still included. And that's what Margot Jones? I don't remember created the Created the lettering, I believe, but yeah. the psychedelic lettering was yeah, the perfect yeah, 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 fit yeah. for this album. This is obviously the album where people really say Prince went psychedelic. There's far oh, more yeah. to it than that, but that's the that's the tagline. So Henderson sounded like he dove all the way in. For the creation and execution of this, he certainly didn't need to go on the Purple Rain <laughs> tour along with Prince. What was what was the purpose of that ultimately? Well, he,
0: shooting the video. And well, he was a afterwards. carpenter. Yeah, he worked okay. the stage sets and all that kind of thing. And then when he was finished that, oh. uh, it was okay. Now record this stuff as well. So he had a you know, he was a roadie and and just had growing responsibilities that grew to include. Uh, create an album cover for and, me. Yeah, it was this is, This was his first
1: and only, I, right? I believe it was. I, I was digging, was. trying to find any other work, but this appears yeah. to be the only one. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's an that's a that's a long day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, fix this, video record yeah.
0: that, Load that and then go
1: start painting. Yeah. Um, but you know. As taxing as it sounds, it explains why it was so protective of the painting. He gave it its own uh, plane ticket, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> got the record company pay for it. The do not put this down below with Princess Puppy. You get this a seat, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting in reading about the reception of this particular album. Retrospectively, I think it's finally understood in the manner in which it was intended. I don't know what you think about this. What were your impressions when you listened to the album?
0: This was the only Prince album that I've ever listened to. Wow, okay. <laughs> I'm you, sure you come across some Purple well, Rain uh, yeah, without knowing yeah, it. Yeah, sure, sure, I've heard of songs and, and, and all that stuff. But to sit down and say, I'm going to listen to a Prince album uh, from start to finish. And, you know, s- psychedelic music, I'm sure, evolved like all other music did. So this was not, you know, the psychedelic is... is uh, uh, Cream and and uh, you know maybe the Beatles and that sure. sort of thing that had evolved since it. But yeah, you can see the roots. You can see the family resemblance to what he put on that album and and some of the earlier psychedelic stuff. Oh, so, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. So he was he was laying himself open to those. You're imitating the Beatles. You're imitating this group. You're trying to reprise the psychedelic era. <clears throat> so yeah, and it's interesting,
1: you know, to come back to what you said earlier, just about you know engaging with Prince felt like for the first time you didn't quite understand what was happening when the zeitgeist, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think one of the things that people had a problem with was hearing Prince called a genius or a visionary, but he was never the one to do that. You know, he even went out of his way to say that I've never said that about myself. I don't Mm -hmm. know why people throw this at me, but I think it's because he was so prolific and so out there, but, you know, sign of the times, purple rain, 1999, all critically lauded, Considered classics. But this particular album is one of the left turns that was probably really puzzling to both his fans and the general public. But it's wild to hear someone say that this album wasn't about anything.
0: When you press play, I mean, do you hear it? Well, only because I spent some time going over it. Yeah. You know, this whole Paisley Park theme is the way I would kind of sure. describe it as, you know, this this perfection within yourself uh, you know, idealized in you know through the words and through the through the visions that you see, that yeah, you know that that seems a, a you know it's not a theme album, but yeah, that that's a thread that runs through a lot of the songs f- for me. But uh, I would be I, I'd be remiss to to comment too much on, on yeah. Prince's music just because he was just such a you know a different thing for me almost impossible
1: to define especially for someone that's not uh, familiar with his work you know and and I'm not either obviously a good bit more than you but you know even on a single playthrough there are some really intense and dark strains in here even on Paisley Park you know the aforementioned psychedelic song you know it's that for all its talk about inner peace and creativity It's also about a husband who cheated on his wife and died without being forgiven. You can hear that in the lyrics, and that just really hit me. There's also an image of a man crying while watching his house being raised, you know? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Pop life is the one for me that really shook me, you know, especially knowing everything that we know about Prince decades past this, you know? Yeah, yeah, there's some... It's sexy, it's got his catchy pop hooks as always, you know, and his guitar histrionics, but it's about the dark side of celebrity, Mm -hmm. you know, and the danger of the drugs that ultimately cost him his life, you know, his fentanyl overdose some, I don't know, 30 years later. Um, but you know, to go back to the comparisons to other artists, the Beatles and what have you, I like that he piped up regarding that because while there's a through line, he was uniquely defiant. He never, uh, he never sat down, never stopped moving so to speak. Um, and the Hendrix comparison, I like because I see this. It's so interesting yeah. because, yeah, it's because he was black. Yeah, tremendous guitarist. But I mean, there's little to no uh, no comparison, you know. But it's that's just, an
0: interesting thing. It, it struck me because when when you know I, I was listening to Prince, I thought you know black artists in rock and roll are are not um, uh, large in numbers. You know, we, no, we, not we a had, had Hendrix and, and and we had Prince, and you know that that comparison. I don't know that I don't know that there's a black rock band that I can call to mind. Now there are bands that you did some crossover, you know, the soul rhythm and blues and all that. But I can't recall a wholly an entirely black rock band. So that was a that was a a big thing. And and that was probably um, low hanging fruit. Who's he like? Uh, oh well, of course. Yeah, the only other guy I know who's black who plays the guitar is Jimi Hendrix, so well, there we go. It's interesting because it happens, <laughs> you know, it happens
1: to this day and a lot of it is just about access. You yeah, know, I mean yeah. the of all the punk bands in the world, you know, most notably this happens with comparisons to Bad Brains, you know, a very early hardcore punk band. And they happen to be four black guys.
0: Okay, no and right. now,
1: you know, oh you got a couple of black members. You guys sound like the bad brains. Like, <laughs> no, you don't. You sound nothing like the bad brains, you know. And uh there are a lot of bands that really get passed okay. over for that that same reason. Yeah, yeah. But uh but yeah, Prince uh is wild. You know, I just love this backstory. It really makes me think, uh, maybe I need to dive back in or just dive yeah. in for the first time.
0: Yeah, I liked it too, because it it just was so perfectly almost childlike you know i want an album cover here put this stuff on it yeah and the guy did and, and here we are talking about it all this time later and you know, prince rubber it. love it you did what i asked that's so. right well right
1: on everybody uh, this is what it sounds like when myrtle doves cry next time
0: see
1: you